Hey everybody, it's Brian. If you haven't noticed, it is absolutely nuts out there in the housing market. If you don't know exactly what you're doing and you don't have someone that you trust by your side to guide you through the process, good luck getting the home you want or getting the best price for the home you're selling. John Hurlbut at Altitude Homes is a guy I've known for years, over a decade, a friend and someone I trust implicitly. If you are in Pierce, South King, or Thurston counties, there is nobody better to help guide you through the real estate process right now. Go on over to altitudehomesteam.com slash hawkablogger. Now, again, that's altitudehomesteam.com slash hawkblogger. Sign up to contact John. He will help you with the process, and all referrals will result in a $1,000 donation from John and the Altitude Homes team to Ben's Fund. Everybody wins. Go in there, get your help, get your dream home, get the most money for your home. AltitudeHomesTeam.com slash Hawkblogger. Girl sent you hallelujah. Girl sent you hallelujah. Girl sent you hallelujah. Cause Uptown Funk don't give it to you. Cause Uptown Funk don't give it to you. Cause Uptown Funk don't give it to you. Saturday night and we in the spot. Don't believe me, just watch. Second episode of Real Hawk Talk. I am Brian Nemhauser at Hawk Blogger on Twitter. And congratulations, you have made it to one of the annual prediction shows for Real Hawk Talk. This is a very, very special episode. You want to put everything to the side and pay very close attention because over the next 60, 90, however many minutes it takes, we are going to tell you exactly what is going to happen to your Seattle Seahawks this season. We're going to tell you how many games they're going to win. We're going to tell you which games they're going to win. We're going to tell you which players are going to get the most yards and the most touchdowns and other important pieces of information. So it's, it's pretty important stuff. Um, we are, we are, we're gifting this knowledge to you because we care so much about you. So the least you could do would Start by just clicking the little thumbs up. Give the show a thumbs up, please. It's great. It takes two seconds to do. Click the subscribe button. Click the little bell to get notified. We are almost getting close to 7,000 subscribers on the YouTube channel. We want to get that up to 10 over the season. So please click subscribe and go over to patreon.com slash We're getting a bunch of new patrons in. You get immediate access to the Slack channel where there's tons of discussion going on every day, every moment every new crazy move that the Seahawks make of which they continue to make some really odd ones. And we'll talk about that in a minute as well. But before we do all that, let me bring in the crew. And I'm going to start with the guy who's been absent this week. This is the third episode in three nights. This is like a real Hawk talk bonanza that we've been, we've been given folks. And there has been one face, one voice one name who's been missing from those episodes and he's back tonight mr nathan ernst at nathan e11 he took days in the deep pacific northwest forest to contemplate and meditate on what he was going to predict for tonight's show and he's back to share that knowledge with us nathan how are you doing pretty good that's right i mean not only was i uh, like uh, Al Camping, I had no reception. I have no, I had no clue. I'm like frantically trying to pull it up on my phone in the boonies uh, over by Spokane. 
desperately trying to get data reception so I can figure out who got cut and learn about the Sydney Jones trade today. So uh, yeah, I kind of have no idea what's going on. Uh, so yeah, it'll be fun. <laughs> I have to say, I love that shirt. Like I want that shirt that you've got. Leavenworth, one of my favorite little kitschy places in the Northwest, uh, you know, sneaky fun, fun in the winter, but also really fun in the summer. Mm-hmm. great river great rafting all that kind of stuff um great hiking so uh also with us tonight are two guys that have been here um pretty consistently uh evan hill has been here every night so i know how many people just die waiting to hear evan's insights and uh evan you're here again are you gonna are you gonna bring it tonight you haven't gotten rid of me yet and uh you may never. So <laughs> well, I'm here till I'm dead. Know, yeah. We're working on the, the global warming, which is going to make Arizona like super tough. But if uh, it makes it, Washington natives uncomfortable, I'm here for it. <laughs> that is at Evan Hill HB. <laughs> uh, give him a follow. And then certainly not least, uh, but the last that I'm going to introduce is Jeff Simmons at Real Jeff Simmons on Twitter. Jeff, now last time I, I heard from a couple folks that you were so uh, impactful in your your words that you were actually like blowing their eardrums out with with your uh, with your voice. So let's give it a test drive here. How are you doing tonight? I'm good. Everyone always tells me I need to be more like Evan. So I was trying it for one episode. Okay, no one's ever told me that. But um, like what? <laughs> I'm not sure people want that. No, no. So I tried to be Evan for a couple of minutes and then Evan hated it. So we figured things out tonight. I figured out this, I got this new headset through work and it was your, turned on full. Your audio is so clear. I know. So things crisp. are changing. You can see my face. Your voice. This is like a sensual experience. There you go. Listening to you. That's, that's, that's funny. And technology and me haven't worked so well in my past in the show. So this could be a new day for me be like the shane waldron of her show hmm. I don't but it's funny I, I brian you'd be happy about this I, I played golf very early this morning at a 7 a.m tea time and at about a half an hour drive so i turned on last night's show i can't remember the last one i missed so it was really interesting to just listen as a as an outsider there were points where i was like screaming at my car and there's points where i'm getting into it it was fun it's, it's i'm happy to be back on but it was definitely different just listening to it as a fan Yes, yes. Well, you know, we thought, we thought that we had an idea of what was going on with the Seahawks roster tonight. Um, we thought we had an idea of going on with the Seahawks roster the night before. And in fact, we seemed very prescient the night uh, on Monday. Like a lot of the things we predicted came to fruition. Uh, a couple things were different, but they seemed temporary. And then what in the actual fuck happened today? Like, what went on today? The Seahawks. <sighs> Evan, you should share the news because you were so happy to bring it. Like the Seahawks cut somebody today. Who did they cut? Who did they wave? Phil Haynes, one of their most overrated interior offensive linemen, was cut. No, but that was shocking. I, I'm being sarcastic, obviously, but like he he what? What? What wasn't he considered like a center option? He was, <laughs> like, he was cross training at center. 
He was the third rated offensive lineman overall of any position in the preseason for the NFL. 85 rating was a great pass blocker, great run blocker. Like the team has literally six offensive tackles on the roster and they only have, you know, they have more limited options on the interior. And we know what their challenges are at center, but they, uh, they decided, I mean, people were like, oh, they'll get them back on the practice squad. I think that the fact that they kept Sean Mannion initially, who they ended up cutting as well to bring on like Luton, what's his first name? Yeah, it's, it's not official yet, but Tom Pelissero said that Jake Luton's going to sign to the active. Luton? Um, he, he was really bad last year. So they're still keeping three quarterbacks at the expense of someone like Haynes, which means to me, I don't think they plan on bringing Haynes back. Um, uh, like they already have the practice squad and he's not on no, it. No, he, he can't. He can't be on it yet. Because he has so, to clear waivers, right? Haynes has to clear waivers. There's three openings on their practice squad still. So I think they okay. are banking on that. He's not going to clear waivers. He did. Uh, oh, everyone, he did? I I no, we that don't that know. You'll find out tomorrow. At go, noon. Cleared waivers. Well, Haynes got cut today. So he, his waivers will be tomorrow at noon. Okay. Noon Eastern time. And the Seahawks are being a little arrogant with this whole thing. Because I think they're hoping that because all the rosters are done, I think they're trying to pull a fast one and slip them onto their practice squad. Look, Alana is in the chat saying Haynes is the bust. Alana, look, you cannot be a bust as a fourth round pick. First of all, there's no such thing as a fourth round bust. They don't. What about Greg or Gary Jennings? No, that's not a bust. That's just, it doesn't work out. Yeah. Second of all, Haynes has got one, one game that he played and he played well. So like, he's not a bust. He, for whatever reason, they're not interested in having him. And I think hopefully it doesn't turn out to be Mark Lewinsky part two. Like uh, he was supposedly a bust as well and is like a pro bowl guard for the Indianapolis Colts. So um, I don't get it. Nathan, you came back from having no cell reception and you were like, what the hell happened? Uh, what, what were the things that really jumped out to you? Uh, I mean, I came back in the middle of the Phil Haynes thing. Uh, that wasn't super surprising just because he struggled so much to stay on the field. Um, I mean, I guess it's the three quarterbacks. Um, <clears throat> and then, you know, everyone said, oh, you know, the, the Mannion thing, he's probably just a placeholder. And then they cut him, but just for another quarterback. And I still see beat reporters saying, oh, it's just a placeholder. There's going to be more changes. But like, why would you cut him just to now sign? Is it Luton? Is that what we decided on? Yeah. But he yeah. nearly didn't come up on the official roster today. So they're going to have to cut someone else to bring Luton on. Yeah. So, or, or maybe there's just some mixed wires there and Luton's actually going to the practice squad. But then that would make more sense because Mannion got cut today to uh, fill in for that new corner. Warrior. Well, yeah. yeah, so that let's talk about that for a second. I mean, right, like you have to be happy that we now have a player named Nigel Warrior. Yeah, I was very excited about like, that. Like there is no downside to having a player named Nigel Warrior on your team. Yeah, okay. Uh, <laughs> Nathan, I cut you off. Other, anything else that was like, hey, what the hell's going on? 
Um, no, I mean, yeah, just the three receivers and then they kept a ton of offensive linemen and then or uh, the three quarterbacks, a lot of offensive linemen and the receiver thing. Um, that seems like it has to kind of sort itself out somehow. Um, that's the obvious thing that I think, you know, everyone's talking about. Yeah. So we, we heard from, I mean, we saw their initial practice squad has four receivers on it. Yeah. So they have essentially eight receivers in tow and, uh, I think that probably (laughs) it's this weird Seahawk thing. Like they're like, Hey, we're going to outsmart the league by taking our four receivers and we're only have four on our active roster. And then we're going to have four in the practice squad. Ha ha ha. But the indication there is nobody gives a shit about your receivers because they're not that good that you were able to get four on the practice squad. So like, I don't know that, I don't know that any of the guys that they've got on the practice squad are of particular interest um, other than Penny Hart. That's the one name that for sure um, was, was a surprise cut. And I think we expected to, to be on the roster. And is there a reason why everyone is so infatuated or so interested or thinks thought that Hart like was a lock for that fifth spot. Like it, to me, it wasn't a surprise that Hart got cut. It's that like all of those guys right there on the fringe got cut, right? They didn't keep a fifth receiver. Well, what is the, like, has the dude, the dude's barely even played, right? Like he, he's gotten very few snaps. Why is everyone so into him? Um. Well, I mean, he, he got snaps last year and played reasonably well when he did not great, but he, he, he had some plays. He certainly, what we talked about last night is that he's the only guy that profiles it. If DS Gridge, does have an injury problem there's no one else that that really fits that athletic profile other than penny hart on the roster as someone who can run end arounds uh and and be kind of that quick fast receiver um and so and he had been playing really well throughout otas and throughout training camp um so he just happened to be out for a couple games during the preseason um, but even made a play in the last preseason game so i mean Penny Hart is not going to make or break your season. I don't think it, he's that, but it, I think it qualifies as a surprise that he definitely done a shit ton more than the other receivers. Like Aaron Fuller is the only other one that that's even in the conversation. And, you know, I think Aaron Fuller is just like the prototypical decent receiver that's at the back end of a roster in the NFL and has very little upside. So, um, yeah, I don't know. That was my yeah, opinion. I'd say lack of alternative options. I'd say Kate Johnson was a guy who came in with some hype and he didn't really flash, but they're hoping they, they're happy they kept him. But really, it's Cody Thompson, Fuller, Hart, not much else. So I think just by process of elimination, almost he was the only one left. Evan, everybody in chat and everybody on Twitter keeps bringing up that David Moore got cut. Is that a guy that you're like anyone here is like, yeah, go go bring in Demo. The, qu- the question will be let me flip the question on its head. <sighs> Knowing that Seattle just invested what D was a second round pick, a second round pick and wide receiver. And <sighs> they invested you know, a third of their draft. A third of their draft in the receiver position. Yeah. Does David Moore really want to play as a wide receiver four or five at this stage in his career 
or is he looking for a spot with more play time? But I'm not sure he would sign here, to be honest. I don't think David Moore gets to be picky at this point. Yeah, I was going to say, I don't think that exists. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I, I wants a career. I don't think he wants to worry about where he is on, on the pecking order. Yeah, and I think it sort of justifies our opinion of more the last few years and our opinion of how the third receiver spot was handled, that he couldn't even be the fifth receiver in Carolina. So I think our read on it was pretty good that we always thought that third receiver position was a pretty big weakness. Like I wouldn't cut Freddie Swain for him or anything like that. Like I could cut Jake Luden or whatever. Right. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I'm iffy on it. I really, I I, I think overall fans overrate him to be quite honest. It's the Jermaine curse Uh, effect. Sorry, Nathan. (laughs) Curse was good. But anyways, I mean, we're talking about whether you're going to keep like the 11th offensive lineman or, or I mean, yeah, I think Demo is going to be more valuable to the team than, you know, probably either of those, especially like that third quarterback, right? So right now, I mean, you could throw a lot, you could throw a lot of wide receiver names at me and I'm going to be like, I will cut Jake Luton for that wide receiver. <laughs> but, you know, Brian, that's fair. On the practice squad, we just talked about how it's difficult to separate any of them. So like, I don't think it's dire either. Yeah, yeah, uh, and... I have to think there's some IR moves ahead here. Like, I have to think that a boy he's going to go to IR. They've been talking about his bicep injury for a while, and they have so many offensive tackles. Like, I just don't understand, like, why you need six offensive tackles um, unless they're planning to play some new offensive set where it's, like, an all-tackle line. Um, well. Who knows? Especially since they, they signed Dwayne Brown to an extension while I was camping, right? That that definitely happened, I assume. That, that would only be natural for that to have happened. No. No? No. No. Oh. no. no. So, are we, are we all concerned about Dwayne Brown situation with them keeping so many tackles? I don't, I just don't feel like there's any like the financial implications for him are too great to, I think he's going to end up playing. So um, I don't know, Evan, you have a take on this? I, I do think they'll sweeten the deal for him this year, whether it's guaranteed money or maybe adding a void year and giving us giving him a small signing bonus. But um, yeah, there's some weird art, not archaic, but minute CBA rule that basically says, if he shows up week one and plays, then um, the rest of his salary is fully guaranteed for the year. So he's going to show up and play week one. Okay. I mean, we could talk about the guys that they added, the Nigel Warrior and the, was it, Dakota Fanning? I don't know, like the, the, the center from, from, uh, from Canada. Um. I think we should get into the predictions because we got a lot to cover. Let's do it. Does that sound good? All right. So the way this works, everybody, um, is that we have predictions from pretty much everyone on the crew, uh, other than Will, Rain City Series. Will is above predictions. And so his, his, his column always ends up empty every season. But we have predictions from myself, from Evan, from Jeff, from Nathan, from Dana, from Derek, from Josh, and I think that's it. I miss anybody? No, I think that's everybody. So um, we have it for the schedule. 
Do we want to start with schedule predictions or do we want to finish with schedule predictions? Anybody have a, a strong inclination there? I think we should finish with schedule. Too. Okay. Carried. Save the disappointment for last. <laughs> Motion carried. Okay. All right. Now, everybody watching at home, listening at home, we encourage you to play along. So uh, all you need to do, if you haven't already, um, fire up. You can fire up a, a Microsoft Word document. You can put it in, in you know, Google Sheet, which is what we do. Um, we will tell you what the category is. And we will tell you what we've predicted. We probably won't go through every number because it gets kind of repetitive and boring, but we will tell you for each category kind of uh, what's, what's, uh, what's going on there. So the first, the first prediction that we have is about, I think, the player that maybe all of us would classify as the most exciting, um, the, the one who's probably has the, the highest potential growth um, overall of any player on the roster um is not phil haynes uh it is dk metcalf and the first category is receiving yards how many receiving yards will dk metcalf have this season um now evan jeff nathan do you guys have your prediction sheets open or do i need to to read these off to you i'm gonna pull it up right now okay go ahead and pull it up um I'm going to start with the lowest prediction, which is ironic. And I hope, Josh, I hope you're watching or, or listening on, uh, on the, the playback. But Josh Cashman last year had the highest predicted yardage for DK Metcalf. And it looked silly what he predicted. And it was actually the most accurate. This year, Josh Cashman has the lowest predicted yardage for DK Metcalf. So all of a sudden he's selling. He's got DK at 1,124 yards. Uh, that's pretty low. He's right around the same as what Dana has, which Dana is 1,150. Optimistic Dana is way down on DK Metcalf's prediction. So on the higher side, um, I want to ask Jeff, uh, to talk about your prediction for DK Metcalf and how you how you arrived at it. So, do you think you should share the screen, or do you want to just? And eh, nah, I don't think people okay. look at, at spreadsheets. So, what did I what did I have for DK? Ah, you had one thousand three hundred and eighty-five yards. Yeah, so I think DK is going to take a pretty big step forward in year three. I think one of the biggest things is that I think this offense will allow him to get the ball in space more consistently. I can't tell you how many games last year where I just felt that it was way too difficult to get DK's first target of the game. So I think he does take a pretty big step forward. I think he's going to be a top five receiver in the NFL this year. And I think he's trending that way already. So I think he's going to have his big breakout third year jump here. So I think that all makes sense. I think that I, I think that we are, Still, I think most people are still underestimating DK and are maybe setting too low of a bar for him. I really do. The guy's got limitless upside. And um, I, I checked in at the highest uh, prediction. And we're going to go, we'll talk about the first two categories of receiving yards for DK and touchdowns for DK. 
I had the highest prediction on both. I had him at 1,550 receiving yards and 15 touchdowns. And that sounds crazy maybe to some, but I, I didn't come to that randomly. I looked at how many targets DK's uh, had in each of the first two seasons. He had 100 targets in his rookie season. He had 129 targets in his second season. He had a 58% catch rate in his first season. He had a 64% catch rate in his second season. And he's averaged pretty consistently 15 and a half and then 15.7 yards per catch. Um, and pretty consistently in terms of touchdowns per target um, overall. So I basically took his numbers and said, I think he's going to go from 130 targets this year, last year to 150 targets this year. I think he is going to be among the top, uh, you know, if you look at the top of the NFL, like the guys are averaging um, 10 targets a game. Like that's what the DeAndre Hopkins and stuff like that uh, are, are checking in at, like over 160 targets uh, in a season. And I think DK will be a little bit below that, but I think 150 is realistic. And I think that he's going to catch more, a higher percentage. I think I've got him at a 68% catch rate. And that's how I got to my yardage number. Um, and I think from a touchdown perspective, he's going to go high as well. So um, your yeah. take really isn't that insane, Brian, because like through eight or nine weeks or whatever it was last year, like he was on pace to, I want to say beat what you even have. Right. What's that? Like through eight or nine, 10 weeks, whatever it was last year. DK was on pace to beat your, yeah. even your projection. So yeah. it's really not that crazy. I don't think. No, I'm kind of surprised that, that you guys are mostly on, I mean, they're all great numbers. I mean, Nathan, you've got them at 1283 yards and 12 touchdowns. Everyone's got them at double digit touchdowns, except for Derek's got them at nine. Um, and, you know, everybody, but two people have them at over 1200 yards mostly closer to 1300 yards receiving josh and dana are the kind of the outliers there um so uh anything that you guys want to add about dk metcalf before we move on to the next kind of prediction yeah i mean you know i'll say for me being a little lower uh i mean at 1283 12 touchdowns like i, I don't think you can have a bad year by any stretch but you know they added the Scridge, they've added gerald everett um so i and i don't know if I don't know how it's, it's yet to be seen what he looks like in Waldron's offense. Like I still think he's going to be very good, but I don't know that Waldron's offense is going to lend itself to one player just going nuts like that. And then the other thing I'll say is, you know, there was one player that caught for more than 1500 yards last year, uh, Stephen Diggs, uh, Stephon Diggs, uh, and four players that caught for more than 1400. Um, so, you know, getting up into that 1400, 1500 uh, yards is, like really rarefied air and he certainly could do it. I just don't know that I expect him to this year. Well, it's no surprise. You've been, you've been uh, doubting DK Metcalf his entire career and thought, you know, Jazz McFerkin, whatever the heck his name is, was going to be better than him. So <laughs> that's really not a huge surprise coming from you, Nathan, Mr. Doubting Big Hater. For 1,300 yards and 12 touchdowns. Um, you said he was specifically hey, not a comp to Calvin Johnson, and he's currently on pace to be better than Calvin Johnson. Sure. Uh, hey, Evan, how many yards did you nah, 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 nah. <laughs> Should we continue the, the, the yeah, predictions? Maybe, yeah. yeah, that's that's interesting. You guys are 
You guys are within a few yards there. You know what? You know what? I'm what? I'm I'm gonna make a game time. Oh, you know what? No, you know no, what? No, yep. No, yes, there is. No. Oh, you should you should have locked it. Nathan, I will allow it. Nope. Nathan it. has 1,283. I'm going 1,285. Okay, don't you guys start going back and forth because this is going to get out of control. No, I, I just handle this. I just need to have it on record that I am predicting more yards. Evan, than Nathan's now just going to bump his. He just oh, did. you oh, motherfucker! Like Fuck it. Right. You need to lock the thing. I, I, I'm going to lock you both. Remove after. his edit status. <laughs> uh, all right. Um, so let's move on to an- another receiving target far less of a known quantity and someone who certainly had a lot of buzz early, but has some injury questions. We're talking about none other than Colby Parkinson. Uh, this is most likely to be your third tight end. We don't know if he's going to be healthy for the first week of the season. Pete Carroll was still very iffy about it. So he's running, but they're still waiting to see uh, could be an IR guy. You never know. So, we are going to talk about Colby Parkinson receiving yards and touchdowns um, predicted. And there's a pretty interesting up and down. And I'm going to start with Mr. Pessimism himself, uh, Nathan Ernst. Uh, tell us what you predicted for Colby Parkinson and why. Uh, 80 yards and two touchdowns. Um, <laughs> there's a few things there. I mean, um, I, the big variable here really is, well, there's two. One, it's his foot and just what is the deal there? I don't think it's too serious. So I don't think the health is really going to set him back much. But the other one is, what is Will Disley? Um, is he, can he play a full season? Is he like at all close to normal after having two pretty horrible knee injuries? Um, but I just think, you know, third tight end, um, he's not going to, maybe even see the field that much um so i i get why people are interested in him i hope he does more but i don't know that you can expect a ton from him this year uh let's go to the other side of this and in fact it's not a huge like it's not a huge spread overall but i think it's still pretty sizable uh evan tell us what your predictions are for colby parkinson both in yards and touchdowns and and why you had the highest for him yeah so i've got him at 320 yards and six touchdowns i think this guy is going to if he gets enough snaps and enough play time really um you know draw not the best defenders on opposing teams there's a lot of talent a lot of weapons that you know defenses will have to worry about dk tyler d you know um uh is it Gerald Taver Taylor? What's his last name? What are you Gerald Everett. About? Gerald like, Everett. There's no part of that that was accurate. Gerald Everett. <laughs> yes, now you've got it. Gerald, Gerald Taylor. <laughs> I, Taylor. I, I confused him with Daryl Taylor. Um, <laughs> Darrell Taylor, actually. I, okay. uh, all right, all right. Calm down, Everett. folks. Colby uh, Parkinson is going to be a stud in the red zone this year, though. I think he's going to be the the tight end weapon that Russell Franklin never has ever had in Seattle. Um, obviously they've never had a dangerous red zone target as a tight end. So I think Colby is finally going to fulfill that role. (laughs) Uh, So that was 320 yards and six touchdowns. Six touchdowns is a big number, especially for a third tight end. Uh, 
And for folks that are like, hey, those aren't huge numbers. Colby Parkinson's like, he's six foot 12 and like runs fast and great catch radius and all that stuff. How can he not have bigger numbers? Well, I think, I think some of us are basing this on, I mean, we don't know what the tight end is going to look like in Shane Waldron's office. We don't know first tight end, second tight end, or third tight end what the number is going to be. But we do know last year, the third tight end, you know, Jacob Hollister has been the third tight end for the past couple of years. Um, last year, he had 25 catches for 209 yards and three touchdowns. Um, the year before that, he played more because there's more injuries. He had three touchdowns. So I, I think that, and he had 349 yards. So I think that in the two to 400 yard range, I think is a reasonable expectation for Colby Parkinson. Um, and then really it's going to be the red zone. Like, uh, you know, Jeff and I were very similar. I had him for 275 yards and three touchdowns. Jeff had him for 261 and one. Um, so yeah, I think relatively consistent. Nathan's the most uh, uh, negative, but um, two touchdowns still, um, I think is, is not the, not nothing um josh cashman has him with zero touchdowns uh but has him with a few more yards so um let's move on uh next category for all of you playing along at home who is going to have more rushing yards this season and this was a bit of a trick question i didn't explain this to anybody but we'll see how it pans out who's going to have more rushing yards rashad penny or dj dallas and what was not specified here is for what team. So this prediction, and you cannot change it. I will change it back on you if you do. Uh, this is who's going to have the most rushing yards this season. And uh, it's pretty split. It's pretty split. Four of the folks have DJ Dallas. Uh, three of the folks have Rashad Penny. Uh, Jeff and myself and Nathan all have Rashad Penny. Evan, who's left because he can't handle this question, uh, uh, had DJ Dallas. So Jeff, tell us why you landed at Rashad Penny. Well, I'll be honest. I did the prediction before Saturday's preseason game where I thought Penny was the clear backup to Carson and I figure based on how Carson plays, Carson's going to get injured. And I figured Penny, we've seen, we've talked about his skill set and how it fits the offense. I figured he'd be the guy who would just fill in for Carson a couple carries a game and then eventually get a couple starts. But I still stand by that. I still think Penny's going to mix in there. I don't think they're going to end up trading any of them. I think if they were going to trade one, it would have been done already. I don't think either of them have any value around the league. And frankly, I just don't see how many, where there's room with five running backs for really how many carries is DJ Dallas even going to get? So I think he'll be do better maybe on cat pass catching or if he improves his pass blocking, maybe he becomes a third down candidate. But I don't know how many runs he's going to get in general. There's five freaking running backs. So Did some <laughs> asshole just restrict my permissions in real time? I just lost mine too. Yep. Ooh. You can view it. You can still view. You should view be able to view. There's a lot of animals in this thing. Uh, so... <laughs> Evan, did you share this link out? No, not yet. So, Evan, you are the only one among us on the the call tonight, on the show tonight, that picked DJ Dallas to have more rushing yards between him and and uh, Rashad Penny. Why? Yeah, I just I don't think. 
Penny is going to get a ton of playtime this year. I, I, I think Dallas is the hot hand, and I think they're going to see what they have in the young guy. Um, I could also see – this sucks to say, but I could see Penny getting hurt again this year. Um, you know, doesn't have the greatest injury history in the NFL despite his uh, injury analytics. So, yeah, I'm going with DJ. All right. Okay. Uh, next. Uh this one was more wait, consistent. Wait, can, I get a, can I get a take in here? Yeah, please, please, right. yes, anytime. People are wildly overrating DJ Dallas's preseason. He had a couple plays where he ran in a straight line and then was immediately that kickoff return. I, I was shocked that people were talking about how good he was in that game afterwards because he ran straight and then let a kicker bump him out of bounds. Didn't try to put a move on him. Didn't try to run through him. Nothing. I think. Dallas, like he should be a fine running back, but I mean, I, I don't know. People are, are all excited about his potential. Like he's a fourth round running back. Uh, he looked okay in preseason against, you know, backups and stuff. I, I think people are way too far, way out over their skis on the uh, DJ Dallas hype train. Is, is he even active on game days? Like, We'll see. I mean, Penny, of course, didn't do like, anything he didn't even get a yeah. chance to run in a straight line so i don't know how to all shake out how I many think. straight lines did rashad penny run this I mean, preseason in his history though like he averaged over five yards a carry in in his career like they found ways to get him straight lines to run in and, and like toss plays and different things that they've been able to man- manufacture yards for him so like yeah. I get i get that people are done with penny it was a horrible pick he's not gonna be on the team next year I don't feel great about picking him over DJ Dallas, but like, I don't, I don't know where, I don't know. The DJ Dallas hype is just a little bit too much for me. I'm, I'm kind of with you, Nathan. I, I don't know that I, I'd be as, as down on him there, but I, I, I definitely think people are, are overhyping DJ Dallas. And I think they're going to be a little surprised potentially at how little he's going to play. And um, what's worse is that he's, if the question was who's going to get more snaps this season, Travis Homer or DJ Dallas, I think the answer is going to be Travis Homer and people are going to be, including us probably are going to be super aggravated about it. Um, so, um, all right, let's move on. We've got a lot to, to cover. Uh, the next one's also interesting uh, and could be, could be pivotal for how the season season plays out. Who is going to have more receiving yards this year, Freddie Swain or D Eskridge. Now, Seven of the yeah, six of the seven of us picked D. Eskridge. Josh Cashman, who is not here to answer for himself, picked Freddie Swain. Uh, I think Eskridge is the easy pick here. Uh, I think the reasons that I can think of about why Swain would have more receiving yards would be one injury um, and two. Swain's, you know, enduring his second season and may end up being a more polished receiver than D. Eskridge as a rookie. So it's possible, but I think that would be personally, I think that'd be a pretty bad sign for how the Seahawks season's going if Freddie Swain has more receiving yards on the year than than D. Eskridge. Any any other takes on that? Okay. I thought this was a fair question before we saw Eskridge play the other night. Yeah. And once you saw just like the difference in talent, it's only health. I think that would prevent this from happening. I hope so. And I, I hope, I hope health stays, stays good. Um, 
Next, uh, moving to the tight ends, sticking with kind of the offensive uh, predictions so far. Who is going to have more touchdowns on the season, Will Disley or Gerald Everett? Now, I think a lot of folks, in fact, everyone but me, <laughs> Gerald Everett, to have more touchdowns on the season. Uh, I think a lot of folks are going to default to that. Um, I picked Will Disley. Defend yourself. Um, yeah, so one, I think Will Disley is a very is a is a outlet um, target for Russ. I think Russ looks for him, and they have had a really positive connection. And in fact, for the games that he's played, his touchdowns per start is off the charts. Like he would be a Hall of Famer if he kept up that pace. Um, so he's found the end zone a lot, and. I just have questions about whether Gerald Everett is going to be targeted in the same way as Will Disley. Um, I, I expect Gerald Everett to have more receptions and more yards, but something tells me that Will Disley is going to find the, the end zone more often. So um, this also provided a chance for me to hopefully have a, a, uh, a question that all of you had differently. So I can, I can win at the end of the season when I have this one, right. You got a problem with that, Evan? I just, uh, I think you're a coward for not telling the truth because I, th I think it, you, you know, deep down it's Everett. No. Yeah. No. Yeah, you do. No. Yeah. I I'm very comfortable with Will Disley's prediction here. Um, all right. Now let's get into some more generalized predictions. Um, this one's interesting, I think. And let's do, let's do the, the pairing. We're going to say, where is the Seahawks offense going to rank in points scored? And where is the Seahawks defense going to rank in points allowed? And for the record, last year, the Seahawks offense ranked seventh in points scored and the Seahawks defense ranked 16th, which I don't know about you guys was like, I forgot, like they actually did kind of come up from the bottom. <laughs> they were like kind of mid-level um, in, in that for the defense at the end of the season. So Evan, I got to start with you on this. You and Mr. Cashman are super bullish on the Seahawks offense. Uh, explain yourself and tell folks where you have them predicted to rank offensively. Yeah, I'm just really excited about the addition of Shane Waldron. I think they made some key additions all across the offense this year. Um, Gabe Jackson was a huge grab. I, I think people are completely underrating his acquisition to this team kind of flew under the radar. Frankly, he's still a very capable, you know, one year removed really from being one of the best guards in the NFL. You've got Everett from the Rams, who is a stud. You've got D Eskridge, uh, you know, a pick invested there. And then obviously a new offensive coordinator. I think, uh, they are going to maximize, Russell Wilson's talents this year. And I think they'll be the top scoring offense in the NFL. You heard that here first folks, Evan is predicting them to be the top ranked scoring offense in the NFL. Uh, that's a, that's a big, bold take. Um, he is it really him. that crazy though? Like, I don't think it's crazy. They were seventh uh, Nathan, with shoddy. You Nathan, you think it's crazy? I, there's just, I don't know. I mean, the way I do these predictions, like, it's like very hard. <laughs> There's no wiggle room. Like, you're, you're like, at home, There's a lot of really good offenses out there. Uh, the number one, 
Um, I don't think it's like impossible or anything. I just don't know that it's particularly like. Yeah, yeah. I, I wouldn't say it's necessarily the most likely outcome. I understand for Josh a little bit. He does work for the quarterback. So, um, you know, he, he's going to be pretty bullish. Uh, number one's a big number. Um, Nathan, you were you were the least bullish, but still pretty pretty positive. In fact, uh, you had them as the sixth best scoring offense, which would be a step forward. Uh, and I don't know if you guys factor this in, but the Seahawks faced, I want to say, the second toughest schedule last year by defensive efficiency um their offense did and then this year i think at least based off where things were last year so that's always a little bit fishy but the seahawks are scheduled to have the toughest schedule from a defensive efficiency rating uh, heading into this season so you had them in the sixth best offense um any any uh any additional thoughts there you want to share no, I mean, I just kind of figure around where they were last year, maybe maybe a little bit better. Um, but I think it's going to feel, I, I hope, a lot different than it did last year, right? Like where they, they are maybe not as likely to hit the high highs that they hit week over week in the beginning, um, but they, they can sustain it better throughout the year. Yeah. Um, I... You know, Jeff and I both had him, had them at fourth. Um, uh, so I mean, we're all in the relatively the same same range, top top six offense in the NFL. Um, defensively, a little bit more variation. <laughs> Again, Evan and Josh similarly pessimistic about the defense. Evan's got them at 19th. Josh has them as 20th ranked, and this is again opponents points scored. Derek has him at 17th, uh, Dana at 12th, Nathan at 13th, Jeff at 14th. I am the only one that's predicting a top 10 finish for the Seahawks defense in point score. I'm predicting ninth. So I've got them as a top five offense and a top 10 defense in terms of points scored and points allowed. Um, did any of you feel like, hey, Jamal Adams, Quandre Diggs, uh, Bobby Wagner, Jordan Brooks, Daryl Taylor, Alton Robinson, Carlos Dunlap, Puna Ford, you know, on and on and on. Um, and you feel like, hey, this this off this defense may come together and maybe a top 10 defense this year. Were any of you tempted? Yeah, until I saw the cornerback room. Because I like I like the linebackers. I think the safeties are great. I think the D-line is better than people give credit for. I saw like PFF and Ben. I think Ben had them pretty bad on his uh, – I think the D-line as a whole is pretty good, but that cornerback room is just downright scary right now. And It's hard for me to see a top-10 defense with that cornerback room. I think it's bottom three in the NFL. Yeah, I just I, – I still think that we're – we're talking about the cornerbacks as if it's the whole group. I don't think Marquise Blair is a bottom of the NFL player. But you're outside corners. Okay. I'll go outside. Well, and then even then, I don't think DJ Reed is like one of the, you know, bottom third starting cornerbacks in the NFL. I think he's, I think he's, He's I think he's in the middle. I think he's in the middle third. Is where I yeah. put DJ Reed. So then, but what about everyone else? 
So that, yeah. So, so yeah. So then you've got one position that could be like, I just, I don't know that I expect DJ Reed to get abused. Um, we didn't see it last year. So I don't know why he'd start getting abused this year. It could happen. Um, I think Marquise Blair could be a, could be a super big impact player. I know you do too, Jeff. So yeah, I do. I, I don't know. I, I think guess about the receiver groups though, that they play against not only in this division, but this year, week yeah. two, Titans, Rams, you know, Rams receivers are stacked. Niners have a great young group. The Cardinals have a great group. It could be, it could be their downfall. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. I'm not saying it's going to be. I'm just yes. saying, don't be surprised if their cornerback group is the, not only the downfall of this defense, but the downfall of any potential run this year. It, it, it really could be that bad. And it's just so tough because it's such a wild card because they brought in two new guys. Like Sidney Jones has maybe the highest upside other than Reed of any guy. And he's just being brought in. Pete seems to imply today that more is coming. I don't know if he was just messing around, but so it's just, it's such a wild card. Yeah. Yeah, it is. You know, and, and we'll, we'll talk about this more as we get into the, the season. Um, if, Marquise Blair is good. doesn't have to be great, but let's say he's good. And if DJ Reed is the same player he was last year, no better, no worse, then I think there are ways to scheme around a single, you know, less than great corner. Um, I think last year we're all really gun shy because both cornerbacks were awful for the first half of the season. I mean, everything. And even the, the nickel position for a lot of the season was, was not great. So um, anyway, we'll see. I, I, I'm more bullish on this defense. And in fact, part of me feels like this defense could be really good. And, and maybe that I'm just, I don't have the courage to really say how good I think they could be. Um, I think they have a lot of impact players and uh, uh, we'll see. But I, 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 I totally agree with you guys about the corner being a, a real question mark. How good do you think they could be? Because I mean, for me, ninth is, like, the ceiling. Like, I can see them being that good, but it's hard for me to see them being a lot better. Like, could, do you see them potentially being a top-five defense? I think that that's a possibility, yeah. Wow. Yeah, I, I do. And for that to happen, the pass rush has to be as good as I think it can be. Like, rotationally, they just have to be able to come in waves and get after it. Jamal Adams has to be – like a true all pro player, first team all pro player that makes plays besides just blitzing, but you know, is, is making plays in coverage and you know, all around the field. Quandre Diggs has to be, you know, a really solid um, free safety to help, uh, you know, cover for the corners. And Marquise Blair has to be an impact, like not just a good nickel, but like a guy who makes plays like we saw in the third preseason game, like just all over the field, um, creating turnovers and things of that nature. Jordan Brooks. Like a lot of things have to go right, but, but I don't think it's like, I don't think it's galaxy brain stuff. I think it's like, it's possible, but I think it's, it's not the most likely outcome. Um, all right, let's pick up the pace a little bit here. Um, we're going to rapid fire this. Uh, given the choice of four players, who is going to have the most sacks on this team? The choices are Kerry Hyder Jr., Benson Mayoa, Alton Robinson, and Daryl Taylor. Um, Gerald Everett is not an option, Evan. Uh, Daryl Taylor plays defense. 
Okay. Um, so really quickly, uh, Josh and I had Mayoa. Uh, Evan had Taylor. You were the only person that picked Taylor. And the other three, Jeff, Nathan, and Dana, all picked Alton Robinson. Nathan, uh, say a little bit about why you pick Alton. I just think he's the, I mean, I don't know. We, we just watched him wreck teams for like three straight games. Maybe three since he buys. He looked great last year. Um, you know, hopefully he takes a step forward. So to me, it's Alton. My, my number two probably would have been Taylor because I thought he actually looked really good when he got chances to pass rush or rest, rush the passer or whatever. Uh, I just don't know quite how he's going to be used yet and, and this being his first year. So I, I chickened out on that. But Robinson just seems like the most dynamic of the bunch. Yeah, the reason I picked Mayoa is because I think I think he figured things out the last quarter of last season. He was actually one of the better edge rushers uh, to end last season um, uh, from the edge position. And uh, I think that he has the potential to have seven or more sacks this year. And I don't know that I think Alton or Taylor are going to get that high. I think, I think uh, that's going to be tough. So um Evan, you feel like you want to say anything about Taylor or should we move on? I just think he had a really good training camp in preseason and, you know, obviously he struggled with injuries last year, but I think he's going to break out this year. Okay. Uh, moving on, true or false? A couple true-false questions, three in a row here. Um, Seahawks will be a top five defense in sacks. And um, this one's interesting in that uh, – I think people forget how good the Seahawks were at sacking the quarterback last year. In fact, over the last half of the season, they were the number one pass rushing team in the NFL, both by sack percentage and by total sacks. So um, for me, this was a true, I think it's a better pass rushing team for Evan. It was a true for everybody else. It was false. Jeff, why? Uh, again, I'm pretty high on the D line as a group, but I just, tend to pick teams in the top five that have the game wreckers. And that is the area Seattle just doesn't have. And I tend to think that yeah, someone like an Aaron Donald or Joey Bosa, Von Miller, or Bradley Chubb, I think those are the teams that typically end up in the top five. All right. Um, for the record, the Seahawks finished for the whole season last year. They finished seventh in, uh, in sacks. Um, and then as far as sack percentage, just really quickly, the Seahawks finished 14th. So yeah. um, somewhere around there is where I think they'll end up seven, seven, ten, seven to 10. Okay. Um, true or false, Chris Carson will set a career high in receptions. This one's an interesting one. He had 38 receptions last year. I think that was his career high. Uh, both Evan and I say true, as do Dana and Derek. I'll say that he will set a career high. Jeff, Nathan, and Josh say false. Um, so I just think, like, I think the last preseason game was a, a great indicator of how running backs are potentially going to show up in this. And I think if people remember how Todd Gurley was used in the passing game with uh, the Rams, I think you could see Chris Carson pushing 50 receptions this year. So from a fantasy perspective, if you're into that, Chris Carson could have his best year. 
Um, uh, Jeff, any, any thoughts about why you said false? Uh, my reason just was the, the man of targets on this team. It's hard to picture just the numbers for him because with D. Eskridge, with Everett, with five other running backs, Carson doesn't play a lot on third down with all the other running backs. I just figured the numbers weren't there. But that third preseason game definitely made me doubt this pick because they had, what, 11 passes to running backs in that game and screens, and it just looked so different than what we've seen, the running back usage and the Schoenheimer and Bevel. We'll just say we'll say the Schoenheimer because I think that's all Carson's played in. So, yeah, I'm definitely conflicted on that one, but I just think the number of targets is why I said false. Yeah. Uh, Sean Mannion's going to – uh, I, I don't know if Russ is going to play quite the same way as Sean Mannion. You, you, there might be some Sean Mannion effect on that. But, I mean, Gurley did this a few years early on in his career. Um, but, you know, the Rams, like the last three years, uh, I think, you know, 38 is right above, right around, right above where they've been. Um, and with the other backs that Seattle has and, you know, maybe Homer getting a lot of the, the clear passing down snaps. I don't know that I really think that Carson close yeah yeah i think i think that, that's that's a, a fair a fair counter um last true false of these three in a row true false jamal adams will be an all pro this year um and uh jeff you said true why i think he was second team all pro last year and didn't particularly play that well and i don't know if the voters have the best sense of kind of how Seahawks Twitter views Jamal. I think they've all seen the sack numbers. I think, I think he's going to flash a lot more barring him staying healthy. And I think if he's second team all pro playing a pretty average season by his standards, I think if he just steps forward, I think he'll jump to first team. Yeah. Yep. I've got, this is true. Dana has, this is true. Josh has, this is true. Derek has, this is true. Evan and Nathan both have it as false. Uh, Nathan, why? Uh, so first of all, I was considering this just first team all. I wasn't thinking about second team all pro on this. Um, it's just really hard to do, and I, I don't know if I don't know if he if he beats what he did last year. I think that there's like diminishing returns on that, at least with like the voters. Um, I think that the Blitz Boy thing might start to get a bigger, uh, take a bigger part of the the national like understanding of Adams as the player, right? So, um, yeah, I don't know. It's really hard to be first team all pro. That's kind of how I was thinking about it, and I think he needs to be better uh, to get it. Yep, makes sense. Um, all right, so we're gonna go through a few of these. Uh, Number of Pro Bowl Seahawks on offense and number of Pro Bowl Seahawks on defense. Now, this includes guys that get like added when someone steps out. It does also count people that get picked to the Pro Bowl but don't play in it for whatever reason. So it's pretty generous in how you define it. Um, uh, Nathan, you have five. Seahawks making the Pro Bowl on offense. Explain yourself. Well, so I just kind of counted the names that were like in serious contention. Russ, Tyler, DK, Dwayne, 
I think Chris Carson could be in consideration if he stays healthy and gets good usage. And then you have um, potentially, you know, Gabe Jackson, uh, potentially Lewis if he breaks out. Um, and then, uh, I mean, I don't think any of the tight ends are really in consideration, but, you know, there's just n- enough of those fringe guys in there that I think that five is pretty possible. And I, I think they're going to be good on offense. Yeah. That's that's a bullish take. Uh, no one else. Oh, actually, Derek had four, but pretty much everyone else had three. Um, Jeff had two. Jeff, any any reason why you've only got two Seahawks offensive players making it? And and who do you, who are you picturing? Is it DK and Russ? I see. Yeah, I had Russ and DK. I want the two blue chip guys. I think the Seahawks have a very balanced, well rounded offense. Nothing against them, but I just think they have a lot of good players and not a lot of great players on offense which is fine. Yeah. Like how many great players do the chiefs have on offense? They have Kelsey Hill and Mahomes. That's, that's enough. Yep. Yep. Um, let's go to Pro Bowl players on defense. Uh, you know, pretty much everybody had three. Uh, Dana had four. Um, we can't ask Dana right now what those four were. Uh, three people, Josh, Evan and Jeff had two, Nathan and I both, and Derek had three. Um, Evan, who are the two people you're expecting to make the Pro Bowl from the Seahawks defense? Yeah, just Jamal and Bobby. Very obvious answers on that one. Okay. Uh, Yeah, and I guess, I mean, Quandary Diggs made the Pro Bowl last year, um, would be another potential possibility. I'm wondering what's going to happen with Jordan Brooks this year. Um, and, uh, yeah, I'm also kind of curious what might happen with Puna Ford as a name. We don't talk about that much, but I'm wondering if this is going to be a year he takes a, a, a jump. Um, so Marquise Blair is another like long shot, but, but maybe, um, so yeah. Uh, all right, let's hop down to, Okay, let's hop down to interceptions by Seahawks cornerbacks. Um, so <laughs> Nathan's already shaking his head. Uh, you skipped the best one of all of these. We'll come back to that one before we move on to, to the schedule. So uh, Evan, you picked the Seahawks cornerback t- group to have 10 interceptions this year. Yeah. You also think, said that they were the reason that the team could be the worst defense. I I, I don't understand your logic. I think they're going to get really lucky this year. <laughs> okay. That's All how right. I feel about that. Okay. All right. Uh, Josh has them with nine. Like you and Josh, like, are you guys like. Well, to be fair, Marquise Blair is going to have eight interceptions. So. He is a cornerback. The other two have to go somewhere. Yeah. Yeah. So I've got him at seven. Uh, Dana has him at six. Jeff has him at five. Nathan has him at four. Derek has him at three. Honestly, I think this could be any of the numbers that I just read to you. Like, who the hell knows with this quarterback <laughs> team the group? Like, how this they, play they out? played Jameis Winston this year. So, well, it's not just the quarterbacks. You, you brought this up, Jeff, but it's also look at, I mean, look at some of the plays like uh, Ryan Neal had that interception 
against the Chargers in preseason. How did that happen? It wasn't because he made some amazing play. Alton Robinson got in the quarterback's face. He couldn't throw, finish the throw. It was pop up. Ryan Neal settled under it and picked it off, right? That's what's in my mind. Like, I think the pass rush is going to be good enough to create some really bad throws. And, um, you know, that uh, that makes me think that the cornerbacks get some some fortunate interceptions. And now yeah, so- Sidney Jones is more of a ball hawk than the guys that they've had before. So I think that could also factor in. Yeah, so they play Wentz. Well, we don't know if he'll play week one. Or Eason. Or Eason. They play Jimmy or whoever, Lance. Lance. Big Ben, who throws a, a lot of picks. Jameis, Trevor Lawrence, Brian Fitzpatrick, another guy, throws a lot of picks. Tyrod Taylor, Justin Fields, Jared Goff. Like, there's a lot of quarterbacks that could throw interceptions. Yep. Yep. So you're feeling maybe a little bit nervous about your, your five number. You feel like maybe that should have been higher? No, I just feel like they'll still blow it. Okay. Or maybe they'll all go to the safeties. Okay. So, so the next, next prediction we'll talk about, and then we're going to get into the actual schedule. We're going to go week by week. Um, so to bear with us, this is, this is important stuff. Um, uh, the last uh, kind of uh, ad hoc prediction here is Jason Myers missed field goals uh, on the season. And Evan, uh, please read out loud your, your prediction there. Like out loud? Yeah. Zero. That's not exactly what it says. Zero, you heathens. <laughs> I already tweeted it, so most people know. Uh, yes, Evan is predicting zero. Uh, zero I actually changed the noun. Is that a noun? The adjective. I don't know what. Yeah, I don't want your grammar attempts coming in here. It's it's painful. So, um, yes, Evan has zero, which would be back to back seasons of zero missed field goals. Uh, God, what a good contract that was, Nathan. Continue, Brian. Nathan, Nathan, you've been on record saying that you really cheer for the Seahawks on everything, but that you actively cheer against Jason Myers making field goals. True. Yet you only have a missing three. Yeah, uh, I actually don't remember why I picked. I just think I just put a number down. <laughs> that, is, that is expert, you know, analysis. I would wing it. I, I think that's fine. Josh is the most negative on Jason Myers. He has him with five missed field goals. Um, I also have three. Jeff has four. Dana has four. Derek has two. So uh, if you're playing along at home, how many missed field goals will Mr. Jason Myers have this season? Um, I'm going to read out loud really quickly what we picked for their um, points scored and points against. We're not going to talk about it because we've already kind of talked about offense and defense, but this allow you to fill in your predictions if you want. And then we're going to talk about schedule. So Seahawks points per game on offense. Last year, they averaged 28.6 points per game. I picked them to average 29 and a half. Evan picked them to average 30.3. Remember, he had them as the number one offense in the NFL. I think that's a little low for what the number one offense will average, but so be it. Uh, Jeff had them at 29.1. Uh, Nathan had them at 29.3. Dana had them at 29.7. Derek had them at 29.4. And Josh 
bullish has them at 33.2. That is much more in line with the number one offense type of number. Uh, so everybody is predicting them to score more points per game this year than last year. Now, defensively, Seahawks allowed 23.2 points per game last year. I am predicting them to allow 21.3 this year. Evan is expecting 27.2. Bam. Uh, Jeff, 22.9. Nathan, 22.8. Dana, 23.1. Derek, 24.1. And Josh, 26.5. Again, Evan and Josh are in cahoots, clearly. Uh, and so really everybody, for the most part, is predicting them to be about the same, except Evan and Josh are expecting them to be worse, uh, to, to be uh, worse defensively than they were last year. Derek's a little bit, you know, in that category, but not nearly as much. Um, uh, really, Dana and, and Nathan uh, and Jeff are pretty much saying they're going to be the same. And I'm saying I think they're going to be better. So um, we will see how that plays out. From a point differentials perspective, it's interesting. Uh, I've got them as an 8.2 point differential per game, which is the highest among the group. Evan has them as a 3.1 differential, um, which is the lowest of the group. So with that in mind, let's switch gears and start talking about the schedule and how many games they're going to win. Okay. So um, let's start with week one, 10 a.m. game in Indianapolis against God knows who's going to play for the Colts. And with all the COVID stuff going on and the quarterback injury and all the other stuff going on, um, Colts were really good defensively last year and actually pretty good offensively, but they obviously have some, some issues at quarterback position. Everybody has them winning this game except for one person. The person who's predicting a loss, please speak up and explain yourself. There is absolutely no reason they should lose this game, but it would be the most Pete Carroll Seahawks thing to do it. And I think this is going to be the Colt McCoy, how the fuck did they lose this game thing. There's no reason. The Indy is a complete clusterfuck right now with the least one of the least vaccinated teams in the league. Carson Wentz is going to have like five practices. I just think it's going to be one of these weird games where like Jonathan Taylor runs 30 times. The Seahawks have a bit of a learning curve on offense and they completely blow a game. They should win. You know, Brian doesn't talk about it often because I don't think he wants to, but that giants game really broke you, Brian. Oh. Like it, I know personal, this is a true story. I know personal family members of Brian's who said he was, devastated broken a different man it could be this week one again but we'll see there's no reason they should lose but i don't know this would not be as bad as losing to colt mccoy at home well it what if be. jacob eason plays it it would suck but you know it's road games are road games home like openers in general are just a total crapshoot anything can happen in an opener and often it doesn't doesn't have any indication on what the rest of the season is going to look like, but yeah, it, you can't be a Seahawks fan as long as I've been a Seahawks fan and have any reaction other than, Oh shit. When they, they have a, they blow an opening game, like especially a road opener. Um, they're not easy uh, no matter who they're playing. Uh, all right. But everybody, but Jeff's got them at one and zero, So that's good. 
Then they open at home against Tennessee. Tennessee's like, they look, they look really good. Like, and you talk about Julio Jones and Brown going up against these corners and Derrick Henry and that offensive line. And that defense is also really good. Um, no, it's not. It's horrible. They're one of the worst defenses in the NFL. Are they? They, all, they? they were worse in the secondary than Seattle was last year. I thought they had a pretty good defense. No, no, they're really bad defensively. That's well, that makes sense. Clowney left them, so yeah, they were re- they were really bad defensively last year, and they didn't so do much. It's it's a mixed bag. I think regardless, it's a tough home opener. Um, three, four, five of us are picking them to lose the home opener. Um, only Jeff and I are picking them to win this game. And for, for the record, I started with this being a loss. Um, I flipped it after really, I think it was like the last preseason game where I felt like, all right, I feel like this offense could be really, really good. And maybe they'll be able to outgun Tennessee. Um, so Evan or Nathan, you guys want to talk about why you got this as a loss? Yeah, I, I just think our secondary is really going to struggle because A.J. Brown and Julio Jones ran Tannehill is no joke apparently now. They've got a decent offensive line. Derrick Henry is obviously one of the best running backs in the NFL. I just don't think our defense is going to be able to stop them. I could see this being like a high-scoring shootout, but Tennessee will edge it out. Okay. So um, we're going to stop at each four after each four games and kind of tell you where people have the records total. But um, next week is at Minnesota. So starts at Indianapolis, then home for one game uh, against Tennessee, then at Minnesota. So you guys haven't played at the new, new Minneapolis stadium yet for, for what it's worth. Like that's kind of crazy. It's been out there for a few years. Um, uh, I have them losing this game. Uh, Evan has them losing this game. Josh has them losing this game. Um, everybody else is predicting a win. Uh, Nathan, tell me why you're optimistic about them winning in Minnesota. Uh, this was a tough one for me. I kind of, I don't know, I thought about it for a while. Um, I, I just, I feel like they typically play well against Minnesota. Um, I just, I, I don't know. I, I can't get too scared of. Kirk Cousins. Uh, so I just went with the win on this one, but I do think with it being a road game, it's kind of a dangerous one. Yeah, well, the Seahawks have played pretty well in Minnesota over the years. They've, they've generally won there, um, at least in Russell's time. So that may play a factor. Um, they also have pretty good receivers and a, you know a, a dangerous offense. And so, I mean, the Seahawks defense is going to be tested uh, pretty quickly. I think we're going to know <laughs> pretty quickly what kind of what kind of defense we're looking at. Um, all right. Third week of the season at, uh, sorry, fourth week of the season at Minnesota, uh, fourth week of the season at San Francisco, one o'clock start. Uh, both Nathan and I have this as a loss. Interestingly, everybody else has it as a win on the road at San Francisco Evan, why? Why is this? Uh, why is this a win for you? Yeah, I think I think Jimmy Garoppolo is still starting. 
uh, in week four. And that team is just not as good as it once was. I still think they are um, a very real threat, especially with the potential development of Trey Lance. But I think Jimmy G is still starting by then. And I think Seattle takes this one. Jeff, any, any reason you have it predicted as a win? Yeah, I think San Francisco is going to be a lot like Seattle in the Russell Wilson year where the first half is going to be a bit of an adjustment phase. They're going to be really good at running the ball. And I think once the second half comes on and they figure out Trey Lance, I think they're going to really peak and take off. So I think this is a chance for Seattle where they're, they're more a little more established in who they are. I think they're going to have an ability to catch them here. Got it. So after four games, I've got them at two and two. Nathan's got them at two and two. Evan's got them at two and two. Jeff has got them at three and one. So Jeff is a little bit bullish on the start of the season. Honestly, I originally had this as a one and three start. Um, so I came off of that, but uh, most of us are at, you know, two and two. Jeff is the most bullish. Dana actually is also three and one. Um, okay. After that Sunday game at San Francisco, the Seahawks turn around in short order, come home on a Thursday night, so short week, and play against the Rams. Back-to-back against the, at the 49ers and then home on a Thursday night against the Rams. Uh, I have them winning this game. Nathan has them winning this game. Evan and Jeff and Dana have this as a loss. Uh Josh has it as a win. Derek has it as a loss. So um, I'll just say I'm just, I, I feel like, I feel like the Seahawks are going to get the first game against the Rams. Um, uh, I think that they are still smarting after that playoff game. And I think that um, I'm just hopeful that, this whole off season of basically instituting the Sean McVay style offense, practicing against it on defense um, and, you know, having, having a better opportunity to get rid of the ball quickly to avoid having Aaron Donald just completely dominate games. Um, I think could change the mix of how this, this series works out. So that's why I think they win. I also like short week home teams Thursday night in general. I think that's generally been a, a good thing. Um, okay. Uh, unless somebody has anything want to say about that, moving on at Pittsburgh, um, in week six, this is a, a Sunday night game. So again, two primetime games goes from Thursday night to at Pittsburgh on Sunday night. Um, I've got, this as a loss. Pretty much everyone else on this call has it as a win. Someone tell everybody else is the win. Why? Like, why is everyone so confident we're going to roll into Pittsburgh in prime time and win? Guys, yeah, Big Ben is trash. That offense is not what it used yeah, to be at all. Gonna, I am not high on Pittsburgh as a roster. Um, they have one of the worst offensive lines in the NFL. They lost their three best offensive linemen, David DeCastro, Pouncey retired, and Villanueva went to Baltimore. And because if they had to keep Big Ben, they lost a lot of key defensive players. And they're only – position they really added at was running back so i think they're going to struggle as a team this year i think they're a 500 team at best this year interesting brian if seattle scores 17 points they win that game yeah and i think if if seattle's really a top 10 defense this year i don't think you can lose this game to to big ben 
Interesting. I think Najee is going to be a really good addition for them. And um, I think, yeah, I'm surprised about the the Big Ben takes, I guess. And well, um, put on as a playoff game and put on as last. TJ Watt is like, uh, anyway, so I'm, I'm, it's interesting. I'm, I've got that as a loss. Um, we'll keep going. Third straight primetime game for the Seahawks. Thursday night, home against Los Angeles, then at Pittsburgh Sunday night, and then home against New Orleans Monday night. Um, and we all have this as a win, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. So I don't think we really have to say much about it. Jameis Winston's going to be the new quarterback. He's not Drew Brees. Uh, I will make note that Michael Thomas is supposed to be back for that game. <laughs> like, so sucks for us, but uh, uh, I'll expecting that to be a win. Um, next week is finally not a, a, a primetime game. It is home against Jacksonville. So this is the first two game homestand, you know, back to back weeks. Uh, everybody's got that as a win as well. So midway point of the season, I have them at five and three. Nathan has them at six and two. Bullish Nathan. Uh, Evan has them at five and three. Jeff has them at six and two. Uh, I think Dana's six and two. Josh is six and two. Derek is six and two. So, um, yeah, that's where we are halfway through. Anyone have any comments before we keep going? Okay. Bye week, bye week, right in the smack dab in the middle of the season. That is atypical, um, but I'll take it. Much better than early bye week. Um, next, at Green Bay, at Green Bay, and I've got this as a loss. Um, uh, Evan has this as a win. Everybody else has this as a loss. Evan, you once had this as a loss not so long ago. I did. I talked to myself into Seattle's offense this year, and I think this is going to be a high-scoring shootout, mid-afternoon shootout, but um, I think Seattle's offense leads the way in this game. I could see this being like a 40-something to high 30-point game. I really could. Is there anyone else that was even tempted to make this a win? I'm just like, no. The last – we were talking about this before the show. The last time Seattle won in Green Bay was 1999. After this year, it'll be 2021. Yeah. I, every game I pick, the first thing I look at is the quarterback. And If you look at the first eight games, other than Matt Stafford or whatever you think of Ben, Russell's clearly the better quarterback in every one of those games. So – this is the first one where they're just, they probably have the quarterback advantage. Yep. It's interesting coming off a of bye week, um, whether that'll play a factor here. And uh, no doubt, a big game, no matter what, that's a big game. Um, I think, I want to say David Bakhtiari is on an injured list somewhere, or PUP. So yeah. unfortunately, he will be back for that game as well. Uh, but, but, uh, just a note there, um, after that Seahawks come home first game against Arizona, uh, one start, uh, Nathan and I have that as a win. Uh, Jeff has that as a win. Evan, the Arizona fanboy, has it as a loss. 
Uh, we'll come back to you in a second. Evan is the only one to predict a loss there. Evan, you need to explain yourself once again. Uh, is this a frosted tips thing or, you know, what, what's the... I just think when you're traveling to play against the NFC West best quarterback, you have a real challenge ahead of yourself. So it's a home. No, (laughs) is it actually? (laughs) (laughs) I thought it was an away game. So my joke didn't land. No, Um, It's a home game. Shit. Uh, I should have had this as a dove. I totally thought this was the away game. But I can't change it because my edit access has been removed. I will swap it for you. So you want to make the away game a loss? No, we're going to keep it a loss. Okay. All right. Evan, the the fancy looking A thing with the circle around it, that stands for at. Yes. That's how you read away games. It's It's off the track. You know, the the one thing I will say that could turn out in your favor, I hope it doesn't, but... um, the, the away team has pretty much dominated the series. Like they win in Seattle. We win in Arizona pretty regularly. So um, it's not the, not the most unlikely of scenarios. And no matter what, Arizona always seems to steal a game from us every year, even when they shouldn't, um, even in like 2013 when we won the Super Bowl. So who knows? Uh, after that, Again, another primetime game. I mean, the Seahawks are all over primetime this year. This is going to be at the Washington Armada or whatever they end up being. Um, uh, Monday night game. Uh, I've got this as a win. So do Evan and Jeff. And I think everybody but Mr. Ernst. Explain yourself. Uh, I'm a Fitz magic believer. Uh, I'm not oh, even... I'm wrong. Derek also has it as lost. But yes. Continue. Okay. Yeah, no, uh, I, I like Ryan Fitzpatrick as a quarterback. Um, it's an away game. Uh, and I, that, that D, I, I don't know. We saw them almost lose to the Dwayne Haskins, uh, Washington football team. I think, uh, Fitz magic is a big upgrade. And so I think that, yeah, they lose this one. Hmm. Okay. Uh, it is prime time Monday night. Always tough to win away games in those situations. Uh, next, they come home from that to another primetime game. Uh, Sunday night football, home against the 49ers. Uh, I've got this as a win, as does Nathan. Jeff and Evan have this as a loss. Uh, Dana and Josh and Derek all have this as a win. So, Jeff, I think you kind of explained yourself about why you had this. You think they're going to catch fire a little toward the end of the year. Evan, any reason why you think that the Seahawks are going to lose a home primetime game to the 49ers? I think Trey Lance is starting by then. And I think he crowns his first real, you know, regular season victory in a, in a, in a strong showing for himself against Seattle in Seattle. You realize that he's not Mac Jones. Right. So he probably is not going to be. Uh, that is funny. Um, okay. So that is uh, another four games in the books. Um, and that's a, that's a very hard quarter. It is. So I, at this point, have the Seahawks as three, four, five, six, seven, eight, eight and four. Nathan has them at one, two, six, seven, eight and four. 
Um, you guys double check me <laughs> doing this quickly. Uh, Evan has them at two, five, six, seven, and five. Uh, Jeff has them at two, five, eight, and four. Yes. Okay. All right. I'm not going to do everyone else's. All right. Uh, so eight and four or seven and five, basically. Um, now the last five games of the season. Yes, there are five games left, even though they played 12 because it's a 17 game season. So, uh, the next game after two primetime games, they travel on the road to Houston at 10 AM. Uh, everybody's got this as a win. I'm just going to double check that, but yes, everyone's got this as a win. Uh, even if they're playing Cam Newton, um, and then the next week they travel again. I feel like they just got a ton of road games. Uh, they go to the Rams to play in LA and everybody has this as a loss. Okay. Uh, I don't know that we need to spend a bunch of time on it, but we, we can come back to it. Uh, then the next week is home against Chicago. So they finish with two out of three at home, home against Chicago. All the games are one or 125 starts. Uh, and so everybody has this as a win, even going up against fields, um, who could be an interesting player this year for sure. Um, and then this week 17 at this point, um, they are playing at home against Detroit. So pretty nice, like cushy couple home games to end the season. Um, at least they seem to be Jerry Goff returns to Seattle. Everybody's got that as a win. And then the final game of the season is at Arizona. Evan, this means that we travel to play there. Um, and, uh, let's see, we got a little more mix here. So, um, I've got that as a win. Um, which means that they'd sweep the season series with Arizona. It's a pretty optimistic take. Nathan has that as a loss. Evan and Jeff both have that as a win. Uh, Dana and Josh have that as a loss. Derek has that as a win. So let's total up the records here. And we'll spend a little bit of time talking about where this season ends and, and our kind of overall look. So I have the Seahawks finishing the season 12 and five. Nathan has them finishing the season 11 and six. Evan has them finishing 11 and six, Jeff at 12 and five, Dana at 12 and five, Josh at 11 and six, and Derek at 12 and five. So not a lot of variability. Um, there was at some points, I think, uh, I will admit I was at, at like the 10 and seven point, And I think Evan was as well. Um, as the season kind of progresses, preseason progresses, optimism builds a little bit more. I really, really liked what I saw uh, from the offense and I think what it's going to look like with the real players in there. And so, um, and I also really liked what I saw from the defense for most of the preseason. So um, I got more bullish. Honestly, I've just been fighting this feeling that the team's not going to come together this year, that it's just not going to fit. And there's no good reason for it. It's just like, I, I've just been fighting that all off season. Like things just aren't kind of coalescing. Um, not good analysis, not like based in any fact, just gut. And, um, so I was kind of fighting that pessimism, but I, I liked some of those things. And, um, so I have them finishing 12 and five. I do have them losing in the divisional round. Um, I think their ceiling is 
I think their ceiling is Super Bowl, like at least to get there. Um, but a lot has to go right, I think, for that to happen. Um, and I think their floor is missing the playoffs. I think that's a possibility if if things really uh, don't go well, especially injury wise. Uh, Nathan, say a little bit about your 11 and six and kind of your overall where you have them ending the season and, and kind of your your feeling about it. Yeah, I was a little surprised when I finished it all up and counted and that it was 11 to six. I thought it was going to be more like 12 and five. Um, I, I think that this is, I mean, it's still a, a good team. I mean, it's, it's just something that we've been talking about for a couple of years now, right? Like, I don't think this is a team that's done enough to get itself over the hump. Um, the potential is there. Um, I, I have some of the same concerns that you do about the team coming together and really realizing it all. Um, so, you know, I think that they're good enough to win a playoff game, and I think they will win a playoff game. Um, but I don't think they're any kind of a serious contender uh, for a Super Bowl run. Interesting. Evan, you also have them at 11-6. and six. You have them losing in the wild card round, so uh, not winning a playoff game. Say, say a little bit more about your, your feelings. I have them meeting L.A. in the wild card round again, and I have them losing to the Rams. And why? Like what? Like what's your overall feeling about this team heading into the season? I, I I truly believe, maybe it sounds insane. I I truly believe this cornerback group will be the downfall of this team. Um, I'm just not confident with the state of that group, especially if an injury or two occurs. We're talking bottom of the barrel type players, considering the receiver groups that we play this year, especially in the playoffs. It's going to be their downfall. I really believe it. Interesting. Uh, Jeff, uh, you have them at 12 and five losing in the divisional round. So winning, maybe winning a playoff game or, or maybe getting a buy. I don't know, but um, no, no uh, what's, what's your kind of just feel about this team heading into the season? So initially when I did the schedule, I had them at 11 wins and I feel I bumped them up a bit when I did a second look. So I'm somewhere between 11 and 12. Really, the funny thing is I think this is their most complete top-to-bottom team since 2015. We've, uh, we've talked so much. I know I have about it. I just didn't think their talent was there when everyone was talking about Pete Carroll. I thought the biggest issue, and we see it now with Penny and Collier and McDowell, I thought there was a pretty big gap in their young player and their talent. Russell and was carrying a lot of their holes. And I do think their team is more complete, but – I just don't see a Super Bowl team here. Hopefully I'm wrong. I think the one thing that can lift this ceiling is if Russell and Shane Waldron can turn this into a top three offense, because otherwise they look like what they've been. They look like a good, but not great team. You know, I, I just have to jump in in that. I, you said something, Jeff, that I really agree with, which is that I think this team is really complete. Like it's as complete as they've been for a long time. And I think that there's not just good, but I think they're great at a lot. Like, I think this defensive line group is my favorite defensive line group since 2013. Like, no, they don't have the top end talent that those teams did, but just the complete group, I think is super good. And, and uh, there's not a lot of drop off. Uh, I love Jordan Brooks as a young player who can step forward. I love Marquise Blair as a young player who can burst out. Like those are the kind of things you need as guys that nobody knows about yet, but they can be the next star players. I think Jamal Adams and Quandre Diggs are just like as good of a safety tandem as there probably is in the league. And I think Jamal Adams is going to have a baller of a year. Um, 
I love, you know, that Russell Wilson may finally have an offense where he doesn't have to get sacked 45 times a year. Like he actually will potentially get it rid of the ball faster. And um, I love that they're going to have some easier throws for him to make. And, you know, I love DK Metcalf in his 30. Like there's so much that I really like about this team. The thing that holds me back the most is I just think the schedule is tough. Like there's a lot, like there's just some tough games to say, I don't think you can say you look at San Francisco or you look at the Rams or even the Cardinals and say, yep, chalk that one up. Like it was hard to predict even home against Tennessee, your home opener. That's tough. Like that's not an easy game. Um, so I just think they have a really rough road and maybe it'll be one of those things where you get into the season and due to injury and other things, it'll kind of like get easier. But um 49ers had like 75 trillion injuries last year and they were still tough. They were still tough. So that that's the thing for me. Like, um, I don't know. I, I'm not negative about the team. I just, it's hard for me to see them getting home field advantage and getting enough wins with, with that kind of schedule to. Yeah. That's, and there's only one buy. Remember, just remember they were one win away against Colt McCoy from having the one seed. Well, I know. And that's advantage. the thing like, the NFC, like, it wasn't like Tampa Bay was like a juggernaut last year. I mostly said that just to hurt you, Brian, <laughs> to be clear. I know you did. I totally okay. let it fly. I, it didn't even, even, didn't even land. But, but uh, yeah, I know. All right. Any closing thoughts before we, we kind of wrap up this year's predictions show? Anything you guys wanted to say, wanted to predict before we, 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 really- I guess the only thing I'll, call out and I didn't say it in the moment was I guess I'm not surprised by it but it's kind of interesting to see how many people truly believe uh Jordan Brooks is going to have quite the year you know there were I think all three of you said maybe Pro Bowl to him or maybe one or two of you did I don't remember no I don't think so but but like that's a there's a lot of people predicting predicting like a material step forward for him and uh that would be pretty cool for Seattle to finally you know hit on a first round pick so i'm curious are, are like not just just like random stuff but like do any of you see someone getting fired after this season could be a coordinator could be coach. i could see ken norton i could see waldron i think <laughs> some kind of a i mean pete's cut bait early on offensive coordinators before uh and you know Waldron's still improving but I mean not that I like am predicting that but like that wouldn't shock me I think some retirement or uh something of that nature is is more likely um if Waldron is fired is Russell Wilson gone who knows (laughs) yeah probably let me ask you another question I've got to ask you guys um and I'll let each of you answer this one what would make this season a success like where you'd say, yep, they, and you don't get to come back later with qualifiers. Like if they do this, this will have been a successful year. Um, Evan, what's your answer? I think they have to make a deep playoff run. What is that, that means mean? an NFC championship game NFC appearance, championship. Okay. appearance. They don't have to win it, but I, but I think um, the pressure is on guys. It really is. They haven't made a run in, you know, a yeah, real I don't serious. I think it is. 
I don't think it is. I think with the fans and with the media it is, but did you guys follow that Blazers coaching search? I think at ownership level, they view okay, this very Okay, in that sense, I agree with you. Yeah, but like, I think it should be. What I, what I mean is like, Russell Wilson isn't going to be 32, 33 years old forever. Yeah, okay. You know I what I mean? That. Like the clock is ticking. The window is ticking. The time is now. Make a run. So I think I think it's NFC Championship game appearance. Jeff, what's what's what would be success like? Unqualified success if they did this. Me, I say this a lot, but I think they need to be a legitimate contender because if you look at their roster, we told we the mentioned we mentioned the Russell thing. A lot of their roster is sort of like scotch tape together. I don't know how great they're built beyond twenty twenty one. So it's not like the Green Bay thing where lost dance, but. This is sort of, and what San Francisco looks like moving forward and some of these things, this is sort of their window. And to me, they have to just be like, they've been on the fringes where they could have been number one seed, but we didn't believe in that odd team. They could barely play offense at the end of the year. So for me, it's just to them to look like a team that in the going into the playoffs, we think this team could actually win the Super Bowl. So that's not as easy for us to say whether you were right or wrong at the end of the year. So can you give oh, us you need a more definitive? I need a specific qualifier. Or a specific measurement. Okay, I need to win two playoff games. Two playoff games. Two okay. playoff games. Nathan, what's your answer? What, what would be on qualified success? My bar is a little lower than that. I think they absolutely have to win a playoff game. There's, I don't, I can't see any scenario where they lose in the first round, or you know, even don't make the playoffs where that, where anyone looks at that and say that was successful. But to me, I have a wishy-washy answer. Really, it, it's about how we go into next year because I don't think this is a team that's that's a serious Super Bowl contender I mean they, they're good enough that they could get there and they could even win it and who knows um but you know I think this is about going into next year and having John Schneider and Pete Carroll and Russell Wilson excited to to get back at it again and you know you, you can't have any kind of weird thing with you know Waldron has to go or you know there's creative differences or whatever the shoddy thing was right so you're um, not even playing for this year you're playing for next year. I think so, because I just – I don't know, because, I, you know, I I want to see this keep going, right? And there is – you know, there's a couple there's a couple different outcomes here where Pete retires, right? One of them is they win a Super Bowl and he decides to go on top. Another one is that it's just so – it's just the same as it's been the last couple of years, and, he, and he's – you know, he hits the ejector seat. And while I think that this – I don't know – I don't know that this team is in a position where they can be better without Pete, right? Without going through some kind of significant building, rebuilding thing. So my Pete opinion is starting to change a little bit just based on where everyone is in their career. So yeah, I think it's a, it's, it's about this year and being successful this year. And, you know, if, but if they have a awesome divisional round game against someone that goes on to be in the Super Bowl, you know, I think you can come out of this year feeling okay about that, but you know, it's really about how long can they keep all this going? Interesting. I thought, that was a, I thought that was a really good answer, to be honest. And that was wishy Washington. What? What? Yeah. What? What is it again? A one playoff game? They have to win a playoff game. I have a hard time seeing anything less than that being considered successful. I, I mean, I asked this question without having an answer in my own head clear. As you guys were talking, um, the only thing that I think would make this season an unqualified success for me is getting to the Super Bowl. Um, 
I think I can imagine them getting to the NFC Championship and them losing that game and feeling like they're still not maximizing their window um, with Russell. So, um, and for all the reasons you guys mentioned, I don't think they're built for like competing for 10 years. I think they're like, they've got like a three-year kind of window of time. Um, and that might even be stretching it with, with the Dwayne Browns of the world. So um, yeah, I, I kind of feel like they got to make the Super Bowl. I think I could feel like it was a successful season if they lost to a Patrick Mahomes in the Super Bowl. Like he's ridiculously good, but um, I don't know if there's anyone I look at in the NFC and I'm like, yeah, I'd be okay if they won two games, but then they lost to the Rams or they won two games, but they lost to the 49ers or the Bucks. Um, or Green Bay. Like, I, I just don't think I'd feel like that was a successful season. So, uh, yeah, and I'll, I'll point out someone in the chat who I agree with. We talk a lot about Pete, but some of this is on Russ. Like, Russ wilted down the stretch last year, and I want to see him, like, this is his team. I want to see him win it. Like, I want to see him. He's got the offensive coordinator. He's got the weapons. He's got, like, hopefully a good offensive line um, other than the middle of it. Um, I, I want to see him just be an MVP. Like, like it looked like he was going to be last year. So um, yeah, it's not just a Pete thing for me. It's just an overall uh, overall team. So yeah. Interesting. we usually have more optimism even at this point. So I think it's telling that a lot of us actually kind of talked ourselves into better records Um really curious to see how this goes really really curious i i think i think think any of us really know for sure what's coming um gonna be tough to tell okay uh that was a marathon prediction show as it always is because we've got so much to cover thank you all for tuning in if you haven't already please click the like the thumbs up on the show please click subscribe to the channel and the little bell in the upper right hand corner uh to get notified or is that up here i can't remember um, and go over to patreon.com slash hawkblogger, join the, the hawkblogger, the real hawk talk community, um, get immediate access to our Slack channel. You know, conversation continues there, even between the shows, between the blog posts, all that kind of stuff. So, uh, join over there proceeds, go to good causes every year. And, uh, we'd love to see you. So thank you for tuning in. Uh, and we will be here every Wednesday night. And we will start doing post-game shows. Evan will host post-game shows once we start having games. And starting next week, we're going to be previewing an actual Seahawks football game. Next Wednesday night will be a preview of the Seattle Seahawks traveling to the Indianapolis Colts for a 10 a.m. Thank God it's a 10 a.m. start. Love those for the first game of the season. Uh, all right. Thank you, everybody. Uh, and